0: Hi, everybody, and welcome to That's Life, where the JTA recently made it official. I spend way too much time on Twitter, and now everybody knows about it. Good morning, folks, and thanks for listening. I am Miriam L. Wallach, blogger, writer, general manager here at the Nahum Siegel Network. I am sitting on the edge of my seat, so my posture is good. I gave up on that. <laughs> <I know. laughs> and my guest, who is a returning guest here at That's Life, can uh, hopefully. Not uh, read too much into any of my gestures at this moment, but I don't think I've ever been this nervous on my own show. Good morning. Um, (laughs) Yoni, what is going on here today? I'm so nervous. I don't know why. Yoni is totally relaxed. We should we should obsess over Yoni. Uh, I am Mary Melwalk, blogger and general manager here at the Nachum Siegel Network. You can find me here right after Allison and right before Nachum's live lunch. And as you know, the live lunch today will be from Gourmet Glot. We are live in Gourmet Glot in Cedarhurst. That is at 137 137- Spruce Street. Please do not go to the Woodmere store and expect to find us there because we won't be there. We will be at the Cedarhurst store on 137 Spruce Street. Uh, thank you again to Manashevitz. We are presenting our last of the three Passover products programs this afternoon, starting in just about a half an hour, ending at 1 o'clock. As you know, the live lunch starts with brunch and ends with lunch. There are new products. We will continue to meet... Um, Many of the Manischew- members of the Manischewitz family here from a, a particular, I think it's a nutrition specialist at Welch's, and we're looking forward to hearing from that person as well. Giveaways, trivias, tasting, don't miss it. That's from 11 to 1 today. I'd also like to thank our hardworking team here at the Nahum Siegel Network, including Jamie, who's in the other room, Yoni Pollock, ZK of Rummy Mark, and of course, Nahum. everyone. We have been working overtime with all of these remote programs for the last month, and uh, we are exhausted but we have good work to show for it and your hours and hard work are truly appreciated follow us on Twitter Nahum Net, all one word Miriam L. Wallach also all one word let's do that fortune cookie let's get it out of the way because um, we got a lot to talk about today I'm a little I'm nervous folks what wow this is a question Confucius poses a question the question Yoni is what is KMS mm. keep Your mouth shut. The golden rule. All right. When that wasn't meant for you, clearly it was meant for me because I got it. Uh, Quickly, we are going to go through the national holidays. It is Metric System Day. So, great. (laughs) That's just great. It's also National Alcohol Screening Day. It's No Housework Day. It's World Health Day and World Health Organization Day. So, you know. Let's stay healthy, I guess, is my motto for today. You're listening to That's Life here at the Nachum Siegel Network. And um, I'd like to thank my co-host from the last show for joining me today on this show. Good morning, Nachum Siegel. Good morning, good morning. Is that microphone on? Yeah. There we go. <laughs> it is certainly on. How are you? Baruch
1: Hashem. Good morning, all.
0: And um, I thank you for joining me because you were here the last time that Anthony Auerbach joined us. On that's life joined us here at the Nachum Siegel no- na- the Nachum Siegel Network. Anthony is a body language specialist. He's the chief consultant. Chief consultant. Wow, for body language on purpose, where we read between the lines. I'm going to be fine. We read between the lines. We engage, and then we conduct relationships. Connect. Connect relationships, and we connect. So, Anthony, welcome back.
2: Good morning. Thank
0: you. How are you? Great
2: to be back. Hi, guys. A uh, pleasure to have you here. First
0: of all, we had joked at the end of the last program that we wanted to have you back, <laughs> and then and we were serious because we had so many, as inquisitive minds go, we had so many more questions to ask you. But you also had emailed me, letting me know that there was new research that you re- that was recently developed that you wanted to share. Yes. And it's is it about deception? Was that what you had said?
2: Yes, and of course you're serious. I could tell you're serious. Of course you um, could. <laughs> <laughs> it's written all over you. Okay. <laughs> so it was meant to be. So, um, yeah, re- recently I've um, done a lot of research for my clients. My biggest clients actually are recruiters. And they need to be able to tell when their candidates, the job seekers, are being a little bit defe- deceptive. And deceptive doesn't isn't always just a flat-out lie. It could be... Um, any kind of in- image enhancement is also a form of deception, right? Animals engage in deception. There's nothing wrong with it. They, uh, You know, the Venus flytrap is a famous one. Recently, I was doing some research about the, uh, the orchid um, man- mantis, which is a praying mantis, but essentially it camouflages itself inside an orchid, and that's how it fools its prey. So deception is a part of our everyday life. It's part of the... Animal world, the plant world, and certainly our world. Now, some of it is just we, we have to inha- enhance our image so that we can make a, a good impression on our clients and the people that we deal with. But certainly, there is the more severe kind of deception where we flat out lying to somebody because we want to sell them a used car that's not good for <laughs> them. Um, and, you know, it's been very helpful for me. Um, in a car dealership, for example, I'll tell you recently that I asked the, the car dealer, um, the guys in the service area, if I really needed the service that they were recommending. And as the woman said yes, she moved her hand to her arm and rubbed it. And that to me was it. so typically we look for a couple more red flags than one. I'm
0: putting my hands down. But right?
2: I, I kind of give myself the the license, especially when it's something like that, when somebody's trying to sell me something. I give myself the license to take that one red flag very seriously and I disengage immediately.
0: Potential employers though aren't they sort of expecting that when they get a resume there's a little more shall we call it hyperbole as opposed to deception? People pad their resumes all the time. So I guess when if they've looked at that resume assume that there's a little bit of you know creative writing in there and allow the person to come in anyway. They're nec- they're looking for the next step. They're looking for that kind of face-to-face connection that's going to say, well, I'm sure he added a little bit of stuff into this resume, but meeting him and the way he has presented himself, he's worth potentially hiring. So what are we telling that employer to look for so that he can, he or she can say, all right, you know, whatever happened with the resume happened with the resume, but you're presenting well. What are we looking for? What are those cues?
2: That's a great question. So, um, Again, we want to allow for some Im- Im- image enhancement, and then it, again, it depends on the particular role. Let's say, for example, you're hiring somebody in quality control. What about in kashrus a mashgiach? So over there, maybe you don't give any room at all for any dishonesty, and you you have to you ha- there has to be some pre thought on this. W- what? What are you exactly looking for? So, if I'm looking for a salesperson, I might w- I want the guy to be able to relate, get on, and sometimes getting on and getting along necessitates a little bit of um, hyperbole. Okay. Um, so, but it you you ha- it's very very crucial that you decide before he- meeting the candidate what you're looking for. So we're looking for um, like w- where we draw the line with deception is when they start inventing characteristics they invent experience they invent um, the role that they had in a particular project let's say um and the worst is if they actually invent qualification and that does happen a lot research has shown that undergrads um engage in deception about 90 percent of them engage in deception the degree to which they do it Obviously, varies a lot, and the higher up we go in status, the more we engage in deception, especially with respect to making s- promises that we can't keep. Um, so, w- 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 you know, there's many red flags that we look for, but what I'd like to talk about is something that I call reliability indicators. Okay. And so, on the one hand, we have indicators that are more unconscious. They're the spontaneous indicators that when I see these, I know they are honest indicators. Now, it doesn't mean that the guy who is demonstrating these indicators is being honest. What it means is that it may have leaked out. It's kind of like a poker tell, right? Poker players look for that tell because they know when they see a particular kind of tell, that is what's honest. The guy who let out that leak or that tell didn't mean to do it, he probably was trying to suppress it, but it leaked out. Then on the other hand, I have more established gestures that we call emblems, and we covered one of them when we spoke last, we spoke about the steeple, right. which in short means, what I'm about to say is brilliant, so listen up, <laughs> <laughs> and so th- th- there's many others. The, the heartfelt gesture, when, we see this in our political candidates a lot, they touch their heart, Right, So that's a known gesture. When we see that, when we see somebody touching their heart, we know that w- they are communicating that they're being sincere. The question is, are they really being sincere? But th- so al- already, because I know that that's a known gesture, that people know how to employ, it's designed, it's planned, I can employ it at will, it may be less honest mm. than the first category I spoke about. The, wor- the, the most dishonest of all, is our words. We Because we think so much faster than we speak, we have such incredible um, control over our words. We give it thought, we, we we plan out, especially when we're gonna give a presentation, when we're going into an interview, we think about our words. So, not to say I don't believe words, but I look for congruency. I'm gonna look for, is are your but, um, gestures, Your hand gestures, your body language, your eye contact, your facial expressions, are they congruent with what you are saying? Because I don't put a lot of stake, a lot of credibility into the words per se.
0: Interesting. So you've been enjoying the uh, debates? Yes. Are they just you know like a spectator sport for you? I mean, they're spectator sport for us because we like it for other reasons. But are you watching it even on mute? Like, do you need to hear what they're saying at all, or you're just watching them from their from that angle of body perception and body language and saying, "Wow, this guy lies better than the next guy." All right, should so, give them the benefit of the doubt. This person is more honest than the next
2: guy. So the the, the truth is, because I have an interest in politics, mm. and I really do. Want to know what they are saying? Um, I do. P- I pay attention to their words, so I'm looking. I'm, I'm listening to the actual debate. If I want to observe truth versus non-truth, I sometimes have to actually rewind and go back, because I'm so focused on what they're saying. So one really has to switch this on. You have to be conscious of it. So if you want to pick up on the non-verbal cues that are going on, then you kind of got to switch it on. Now. Of course, while I'm listening to it, I do see some th- incongruences, um, especially where, um, say, Jeb Bush is trying to look like he is um, on his game, mm. and he just can't produce that genuine smile, and th- that—that's you know that's a red flag for me right there. He's not feeling on his game. Um, when w- when our mouth, um, the corners of our mouths go down in a very strong way. In the gesture of sadness. It also demonstrates low confidence. It's very, very hard to produce a smile Mm. when we're feeling that. And so what you see is this forced (laughs) smile around the mouth. Forget about the eyes, right? We all know there has to be crow's feet around the the eyes to be a genuine, what we call Duchenne smile. But the the lips, it's very hard to produce a genuine smile when you are feeling low confidence.
1: What about non-politicians? What about uh, I don't know religious leaders or radio hosts (laughs) or people or people who are seen as they speak? You know, someone presenting in a room at a business meeting, etc. Is everybody an actor? Is everybody trying to I don't know cover something up or you know adjust a certain way or I don't know? Is there are are there any speakers that are completely sincere and are able to communicate this? Where you say, oh wow, they look and are acting as if they're telling the truth.
2: So I think it depends on a lot of things. right? Trained celebrities and politicians, I mean, there's no question about it that celebrities and politicians um, are trained to a very high degree in body language. Right. So they, 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 to the extent that they've mastered it, they are very conscious and they're purposeful. So they are gonna do certain things on purpose, no question about it. Um, then That's why
1: so many of them look robotic because they take that extra second or two to think what they are doing yes. as they speak.
2: Yes, yes. And some of them are just natural at it, right? It does, certainly they improve with practice and it becomes more natural. Um, okay. And then you get, um, then it also depends on the context and the situation. Is it the guy's home turf? So, for example, I worked in a big corporation, people very high up in that corporation. When they were on their home turf, felt comfortable enough to use poor body language. They weren't being that conscious of their body language. So you would have a guy who is very powerful, but he's doing a lot of arm folding and a lot of s- soothing gestures.
0: Poor body language is is actually something that came up most recently. Nachum and I were at a meeting, and I noticed that the person we were at the meeting with became so comfortable, and the meeting, even though I don't think Nachum and I observed a less or or exhibited a less formal appearance, this other person took a more relaxed stance and actually folded his leg underneath him as he sat on the chair, like like the way I would watch TV. You know, really just tucked his foot under and then wrapped the other leg over, and all of a sudden the three of us are having this conversation, and Nahum and I are still in formal mode. And I noticed that this person shifted his body language, um, I I don't even know if Nachman I mean Nachman and I haven't discussed it and it was something that I observed but I was wondering is there a point where you can be in a formal meeting and it's okay to become informal or is it never okay or is that just a really crazy example of somebody ext- too extremely comfortable
2: well I, I, I'm trying to picture the situation and I think what you're saying is they put their feet under their butts
0: yeah like this
2: Oh wow! Yeah. So the the, the, like the guy, yeah, the that's
0: person literally tucked their foot underneath themselves and had the other leg dangling over, and like the way one of my kids would study or the way I would watch TV, yeah. you know, just super comfortable. It's
2: a little bit idiosyncratic.
0: Syn- of
2: um, it's just just a little bit idiosyncratic. Syn- syncratic, yeah. Um, but you know, I don't know the context of the meeting if it was. If, if you are very familiar with each other. W- first meeting. First meeting. So, yeah, it's certainly it's a little bit odd. But, um, you, you know, your question about is there a point at which it's okay to become more relaxed and then to right. indicate that through your body language. So, again, it depends on the context, of course. But I would take my lead from the guy in charge. Okay. From the client. From the boss. Mm-hmm. I'm going to take my lead from him. And if I see th- him relaxing, leaning back in his chair, folding his legs and slouching just a degree, I might want to mirror that mm. just so that we devel- it develops rapport. It's a, it's a very natural thing. We might just start to do that naturally. And that's why I th- think it's a little bit odd in the situation you're talking about because um, he went from sort of formal all the way to about as un- informal as you could get without taking a cue from you. Interesting. Um, but he was feeling very comfortable, so that's not a bad thing. Right. I, <laughs> I, I guess we
0: made him feel that comfortable, which is <laughs> interesting. So. Which is interesting.
1: I usually a host, uh, you know, at a meal, uh, you're at somebody's house, they'll indicate to you either by what they do or what they request or what they, what, what they uh, offer, you know, take off your jacket or, you know, make yourself comfortable, that type of thing. Um, you know, But uh, it, it's rare, I think, it's rare among those who are aware of how to sit at someone's table. I'm, speaking, I'm not talking about a meeting now, I'm talking about like a meal. Uh, for someone to take an action like that without some type of cue from the from the of bus, as we say, from the person <laughs> who's running the place, you know what I'm saying? Exactly. Uh, there was something I wanted to ask you about this. Um, <laughs> I, I'm so self-conscious about, um, I mean, I think everyone to a degree is self-conscious about body language, but you know, if I'm on stage and I'm making a presentation myself, you know whether it's MCing or a wedding announcement etc i i will sometimes tend to try to be as still and as not statuesque although maybe that's the maybe that's the best word uh, like ju- just so i don't drift into anything where someone may think oh my gosh this guy who's presiding over this formal ceremony is doing that or doing this or you know moving his hands that way or his feet that way and it will look statuesque. It'll look like you know, robotic, so to speak, a, a little bit. Is, is there anything with being? Is there anything wrong with being over cautious about body language in front of a lot of people?
2: Um, so, you know, I, I, I can I, re- honestly. I can't answer if, it, if it's good or bad to be over cautious. I think we we want to try to be. We want to endeavor to be as natural as possible. There are definitely some things that we can learn about presentations. Standing still is very effective. Taking taking my space, standing still, and it present it presents a certain amount of authority. Also, audience get the audience gets very distracted when you're moving. Right. Mm. When you are pacing, and this is this is the most common thing you see with presenters on a stage is th- that they pace right. up and down. Right. The other very common thing you see is standing behind the podium. Right. And standing behind the podium automatically puts um, an obstacle, it is an obstacle between you and your audience, so if you're really looking to engage them, you wanna come out from behind the podium, you wanna plant your feet, now you move your feet with purpose, so if you wanna tell a story about back when I I was in high school, let's say, and for some of of us that's a long time ago, (laughs) so then I may gesture or um, demonstrate moving back in time by moving across the stage. Mm -hmm. And then when I come back to present day, I may move back to where I started. great. But when I'm standing still, I definitely still want to engage my hands. And uh, you know, you don't have to do, don't use your hand gestures on purpose. I find that distracting often. But just let your hands talk. It, It really can be very natural. Um, There are certainly gestures that we can learn. For example, if I say, what a great idea, I might open up my hands to indicate big. If I want to say we came together as a group, I'm going to indicate that by bringing all of my fingers together. So uh, it, it engages the audience tremendously.
1: I, um, oh, I'm sorry.
0: No, I just wanted to remind everyone that you're listening to that <laughs> live here at the Nakam Siegel Network. And Anthony Auerbach joins us. He is a body language specialist, he's the chief consultant for Body Language on Purpose. Nakam, you have a question.
1: Well, I was just uh, on this whole point of, um, uh, of, it, it just, I don't know if this is a body language thing. And we I don't know if we discussed it last time or not. I don't know if we discussed anything about emceeing or, or introducing people on stage. When I started doing all this on stage, and it goes back, you know, more years than, you've been in that of high school. Um, I I got the most, the first time I emceed, I got the most unbelievable piece of advice. And I'm not saying unbelievable in terms of that it was worthwhile. Unbelievable. I couldn't believe someone pointed this out to me. They said, you know, your arms are so long when you introduce an act as you just did for the first time in your life. When you introduce an act and you go like this to present the act, it is very distracting to the audience because they tend to look at the end of your arm and it's way, it's so far away from your body. This is what they said to me. And this person knew about performing. (laughs) So they said, for now on, for the rest of your life, if you ever introduce an act or a speaker, whatever it is, and you are going to point or extend your arm in any way, extend it only halfway, because that it's going to look a million times better. Now, I believe, looking back all these years later, now, that it was a great piece of advice.
0: This explains so much to me as a person who has been backstage. I, I, okay, seriously, you have no idea.
2: That's funny. So is you, that a well, body line? You, you've observed this in Nachum, that it doesn't extend all the way?
0: Well, I've observed a bunch of things. I mean, when you're standing on stage an, uh, uh, announcing a chassan and Kala, right? I mean, you are you are a statue. I'm
1: trying to be, yeah. yeah you I are, think it's a, for, also because of the nature of the event. I think it's paying the most respect that you can.
0: Right, it's not about for you. For the formality
2: of the event. right? right. But uh, Nachum, I notice while you're speaking now, you're using hand gestures in mm. a very... Very effective, very strong Well, thank strong you very way. much. <laughs> <laughs> so so it's, it is natural. It's not difficult for you to employ that. Um, I think the piece of advice you got, you know, I'm not, I'm not an expert at all things Understood, but is that a body language thing? Or is that a... Uh,
1: what was that? That uh, piece of advice, how would you classify that piece of advice? So, that was so a performance uh, thing? What was it? Body
2: so image. It, it body body aware, image. Body awareness. awareness. Here is where it, comes, it falls into the realm of body language. There is a concept that if I gesture with my hands too far out of my body, and if I do it rapidly, or if I do it rapidly, it doesn't have to be and, it comes across as a little bit erratic, a little bit ditzy. Distracting. Right, it's distracting. Mm -hmm. And the person that's gesturing like that won't be taken that seriously. Whereas if my hand gestures are a little bit more in control, it doesn't mean stiff, it just means a little bit like normal. Right within a box about um, a foot away from your shoulders. Right, exactly. Right, a, b- a square box about that size. Right. Now, because you have long arms, right. I suppose we can you, go three feet away from. Yeah, my like if, <laughs> if I gesture full out. Correct. It's not that far. Right, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> in my case, it's stage left.
0: <laughs> Anthony, unfortunately, we only have a few minutes left, and there's a there's a question I want to ask you. And it's really off topic from, from what we've been discussing in terms of performance and adults and meetings, etc. We try and teach kids to be very aware of personal space, especially younger kids. Don't respect somebody else's personal space or don't understand how to appreciate somebody else's personal space. Is, when, when do we start to teach kids about body language and how they are perceived by their peers, by how they physically hold themselves is it is it ever too young or is there is there some way to make nope. a child aware
1: don't we do it the second we tell our kids the first time to sit up straight Isn't yes, that a, no
0: but to yeah. me that's a you know your your spine you're this you're right. that and whatever that's oh, not half about, health half that's health. not about presentation but if you have a nine year old who has a tendency of crossing his arms and uh, around his peers he has no idea what he's doing but or how it looks right but is there a way or are we supposed to, is there a way, to, I guess, to teach kids about body language?
2: Like anything, I think when they're ready, um, Mariam, I think that um, they can certainly learn at a very young age. Um, you know, so, so my three-year-old, my wife teaches my three-year-old to sit up straight. But she's doing that for a different reason, for good posture. So, but, but my older kids, I mean, certainly my 14-year-old, I don't only teach him body language. I have him take some of the courses that I've taken. Oh. I, I will, I will, I mean, and he appreciates it. He loves it. He takes the techniques and he actually employs them. Interesting. My other son thinks it's funny, <laughs> but I think he's absorbing some of it. I mean, you know, he's, he's not discounting it. So uh, he, he listens to it and time will tell if he starts to use the techniques. So, everything
0: but, is a matter of degrees we're going to like yeah we 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 educate children at the stage that that, that they are at, and body language is no different
2: yeah no, you know there there is something that I'd love to teach all children. I think every child should learn this if you're about to do something that makes you a little bit anxious, you're about to present in front of your class, whatever it may be. There's something called power posing. Amy Cuddy from Harvard Business School, I think I spoke about this the last time, but it always bears repeating. There's this thing called power posing. Look it up, Amy Cuddy's um, TED Talk has about 25 million views. So it's uh, just about um, before you go into that thing that's gonna make you anxious, Spend a couple of minutes in what we call power pose positions, which is being very expansive, taking up space, putting your arms on your hips, putting your arms up in a victory pose, standing with your feet wide apart. It actually has been shown scientifically, it's been measured to increase testosterone, which is our performance hormone, and decrease cortisol, which is our stress hormone. So this is something, I don't know if you want to call it body language, but certainly it entails using our body in a purposeful way and producing a result.
0: Wow. (laughs) Anthony Auerbach from a a body language specialist, chief consultant for Body Language on Purpose. How do people reach you? Carefully. (laughs) (laughs) Website is?
2: Oh, how do they reach me? I thought you said read me. Um, (laughs) Bodylanguageonpurpose.com
0: Easy enough. Bodylanguageonpurpose.com I thank you again for schlepping down here. We very much appreciate it um and this is going to be this is going to be a repeat uh, a repeat guest here at that's life i seem to consistently have questions and you certainly certainly have answers my thanks to Nahum siegel for joining me thank today. you
1: thank you to you thank
0: you i very much appreciate it and uh, we have a full afternoon of programming in just a few moments the live lunch begins with uh with a brand new show from the gourmet glatt in cedarhurst that starts at 11 o'clock it ends at 1 p.m again my thanks to our friends at Manischewitz for their continued support and commitment to our work here at NachumSiegel.com at the conclusion of J.M. and the A.M. tomorrow morning which of course is on from 6 to 9 in the morning Naomi, table for two with Shifra Klein, I imagine they'll be talking about Pesach, the Pesach issue is out and uh, we thank Kedem for their continued sponsorship of the Arab Shabbos music mix, we're pulling up in the background Blue Fringe you got it Excellent. That's a shout-out to the second-eldest Wallach child who has been uh, obsessed with this song lately. It's off of My Awakening. It's track one. Mutzay Shabbos of Rami Host Saturday Night Seagull starting at 9 p.m., 10 p.m. Renowned speaker Rabbi Y.Y. Jacobson hosts Eternal Flame. At 11 p.m., David Lichtenstein hosts Headlines Sunday morning, J.F. Sunday from 7 to 9 Eastern Time. That's with Matis. Go to the homepage right now. Watch us. You can watch the live lunch Here at NahumSiegel.com. That's life, everybody. Thank you to Yoni. Bye, guys.